Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this, Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. Have you ever been going somewhere or doing something and it took a whole lot longer uh, than you expected it to, but then later you realized that it was your fault? 2004, I stepped onto a college campus where I was going to be attending school. It was a local college and I laid eyes on the most beautiful woman in the world. The problem was I'm not convinced at that time that she felt or saw me as the most handsome man in the world. So I wanted to talk to her, but I actually couldn't even get her to acknowledge me. She wouldn't turn her head and look towards me. She would rather turn her head and look away from me. A whole semester of seeing this young lady who I was very attracted to without her even looking my way. A whole semester goes by. The next semester rolls in and I walk into microbiology class and I find my assigned seat and it just so happens that three seats down was this beautiful young lady's assigned seat. And so I knew at that moment that I was going to be able to have this young lady speak to me. And so the next day I let her slide on the first one, but the next class that we had, I went in and I said, all right, I'm going to try to start a conversation with her. And so I asked this young lady for a piece of gum. I don't recall her actually speaking to me, but I do know that she reached into her backpack and she slid a piece of gum my way. Progress, right? She still hasn't spoken to me, but I was headed in the right direction. And so the next class, I said, let's try this again and see if we can get a little bit further in our results. I asked for a piece of gum. Again, I don't recall her speaking. Slides a piece of gum my way. And it goes on. So third time is a charm, right? The next class, I get ready. I'm walking down the stairs. I'm getting ready to get to my seat. And I notice that there is something on my desk in front of my chair. And as I get closer, I realize that it was a piece of gum. She had already placed this piece of gum at my desk so that I would not have to speak to her. Pretty harsh, right? And so another semester rolls around. And I get accepted into the nursing program. I walk into nursing school for the very first day. And what would you know? There she was sitting in a chair. She was in the same program that I was. And I knew at this moment, we weren't just going to spend a semester together. We had the next two years together. And I would spend more time with her and all of my colleagues and classmates than I probably would my family over the next two years. It was time to put this Southern charm to work. And so I took off. I took off with the pickup lines. I took off with the flirting. I did everything I could. And I finally landed a date with this young lady. We had it all together. We were dating. We were gonna graduate as nurses together. We were gonna get married. We were gonna have kids. We were gonna build a house on land and have a cow and a pig and a horse and maybe a dog. We were gonna live the American dream. Well, then I got kicked out of nursing school. I was kicked out for some of my own actions, and then we broke up, and then we got back together, and then we broke up again, and then we got back together, and then we broke up again, 
And she graduated nursing school a year before I did. I got kicked out, had to wait a year, and she graduated. We got back together. I graduated nursing school, and then here we are living happily ever after. I was, I was a nurse, and I got married, so it was great. But here's the deal. It took a lot longer than I wanted it to. I graduated nursing school a year longer than I expected. I married this girl two years longer than I expected. And if I'm being really honest, it was all my fault. How many times do we go through life, do we go through things where it takes a lot longer for us to get through something because it's our fault? Let me give you a few examples that may maybe you can relate to. Maybe you're single, ladies, and you've been praying for your mans. And you have been praying for the Lord to send you a man, and he has sent you four over the last year, but you keep turning them away because they're all under five foot nine. And you want a six foot two man, 230 pounds, who's big and buff, but guess what? You ain't got no mans because it's your fault. Maybe you want your house to be clean and you you just make it to getting the laundry done. You get it in the washer and you get it in the dryer. But something happens after that where there's this great disconnect and you just can't seem to get it folded and put up. And your house is still a mess because there's laundry everywhere. And guess what? It's still your fault. Man, I'm about to help you out. Some of y'all, you want some intimacy with your wife. You know what I'm saying? Come on, here we go. But listen, you go home, you take your work clothes off, and you put your dirty underwear underwear in the bedroom right beside the bed, the same place that you want your wife to have intimacy with you. And it's your fault that you ain't getting intimacy. Like, come on. We go through things, and we do things in life that takes us a lot longer to get what we're trying to to get or go to where we're trying to go a lot of times it's our fault. And on a serious note, some of you right now, you are feeling disconnected from the Lord. You're feeling disconnected from the church. You're feeling disconnected from people. You're feeling like you're lost, like you don't have purpose, like you're trying to figure it out. You're out wandering in the wilderness. And if I can be super transparent with you, many of you, it's your fault. The actions that you are doing, the things that you are not doing, it is creating this this disconnect to where we go and, and we feel like we are out in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I am ready for part two of Into the Wild. You ready? All right, here we go. The Israelites, as we talked about last week a little bit, and we're going to dive into this even more. Again, if you don't know the context of the story, they were in slavery in Egypt. They were freed from Egypt into this promised land that the Lord had promised them. And so they're on the way. They're headed there. And last week, we talked about how the Lord sent them through the wilderness to kind of protect them, to kind of take them on some back roads so that they wouldn't face enemy. And so they would get to this place that he wanted them to go. And the verse that we just read, it said it takes 11 days from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is literally the corner, the very corner of the promised land. And so from, from Egypt to Mount Sinai, actually from, from, from my study and, and my calculations, if you will, it took about three months to get from, from Egypt to Mount Sinai. And everything seemed to be on track. There were a few kind of hiccups, if you will, along the way. But when they get to Mount Sinai, which is the verse that we read. And this journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which again, literally is the corner of the promised land, was supposed to take 11 days. They get to the corner, they get to the promised land, and they kind of stop. And this is where things begin to take a twist. This is where things begin to kind of take a turn. 
And so they stop for a moment, they gather themselves and they say, listen, we're about to enter into this land that the Lord has promised us. It's been a crazy long four centuries and some, right? Like it's been a wild ride, but here we are, we're here. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to send 12 spies into the land. It's going to be a 40 day endeavor. They're going to check it out. They're going to look at the people. They're going to look at the cities. They're going to look at the fruit, bring some of it back. And we're going to have a good assessment of what is actually taking place in this land before we go in. And so that is what happens. The 12 spies goes in. They spend 40 days. And because of what happens when they come back, the Lord literally punished them, if you will. He gave them a year for every day that they spent in the promised land because of this report that they came back and give. And so here is where we get the 40 years of being in the wilderness. And so as we dive into this today, let me just go back to the definition that we used last week for this aspect of wilderness. Like, what does it mean for us? Like, we're not going from Egypt to the promised land right now, you know? Like, we're not literally walking through the wilderness. So what does it mean when I say wilderness today? Well, what are we talking about? And we're talking about this, this figurative definition, if you will, of like, feeling literally like just disconnected, like like you are just wandering around trying to figure out what's next in life, trying to figure out why you don't feel close to God, trying to figure out why your relationship with Jesus is what it is or non-existent. Like it's just this, this wandering sense that we find when you think about this aspect of the wilderness. And so as I look at this story, as I look at the Israelites and we're about to read the passage where they go into to the promised land, they spy it out in the report that they come back and give. I find one main reason why these, these Israelites essentially were kind of sentenced, if you will, to the wilderness. And it's the same reason that I feel like you and I oftentimes get ourselves to the wilderness. And quite frankly, it's our fault. And now I'm going to tell you, some of you right now, you're kind of like, thinking when you hear that, it's your fault. It's like, all right, here we go. Like you're about, when I say it's, it's your fault, it doesn't mean that we are to strive for perfection. It doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we have to have everything together at all times, at all places. But listen, there is a part of our lives where we've got to stop like, like being soft, if you will. And we have to admit the decisions and, and, and confess the things that we're doing and take responsibility for the choices that we are making in life. And if I could just be honest, some of you are in the wilderness spiritually because of the choices that you are making. And it's your fault. Like, it's your fault. And I'm talking to myself, like, there are times where I go in these seasons of, like, spiritual, you know, I don't want to say darkness, but, like, this disconnect to where I'm in this valley spiritually, and I look back at my life, and it's like, bro, well, that's what happens when you leave your Bible closed, like, and we're going to dive into some of that, but I don't want you to think that I'm here to just crush you and, like, beat you up completely and say, you're a terrible person and you're never going to be enough. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say and what I am trying to challenge you with is let's look at our own hearts today. Let's look at the choices that we're making in life. Let's look at some of the things that we are doing and let's see if some of the ways that we are feeling, some of the connection or disconnect rather, the emotions that we're going through and experiencing right now actually are connected to some of the choices that we're making. It may just be our fault. And here's the beauty of it. When you realize that it is your fault, you've been making these choices, the correction is easy. The correct, I mean, we can understand, hey, all right, this is what I'm doing. I don't need to do this anymore. I need to do this. And again, we're going to talk about that. Last thing before we read the passage. Last week, we talked about there are times in life 
where I feel that the Lord will send us to the wilderness. There's a reason that we are there. And so this one, this, this message is a little bit different. The, the Lord hasn't sent you there for a reason. You have sent yourself there for whatever reason because of the choices that you are making. All right, does that make sense? I know that's a lot, really fast, and we covered a bunch. But Numbers chapter 13 is the story to where, again, they've made it to Kadesh Barnea. They went in and they scouted out the land. All right, Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 25, it says this. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that had been taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. We'll skip down to verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes in to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And so as I think about this, why were they sentenced, if you will, to 40 years in the wilderness? And why do we find ourselves in the wilderness? And the the, the answer is, is really simple. We go against God. We go against him. We turn our back on him, if you will. And maybe it's not like this complete turning our back, but I want to show you three things here that they did where they went against God, where they turned their back on him, if you will. In the first area, if you're taking notes, write this down as this. They went against his word. The the Israelites, they went against his word. The first five books of the Bible all talk about this promised land. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to give you this land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a promise to you. We're going to get you there. Like it all talks about that. And guess what that is? That was the Lord's word. It was his promise. He had spoken a word to them. Say, listen, this is what I have for you. And I'm going to get you there. That is my word. And they get to the edge of this promise. They get to the edge of this word, this place where the Lord had literally said, this is for you. They get there and all of a sudden they forget. They turn back away from the the word that the Lord had spoke to them. And as I think about you and I, how often do we turn our backs from the word? And listen, it's maybe not so when I say turn your back. That's kind of a bold statement because it makes you think like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about this. Like, I don't believe this anymore. It's, it's not always that extreme. Maybe some people are doing that. But, but, but maybe, it's, maybe it's just this. You have a closed Bible and it's sitting on a shelf and you haven't opened it. And you don't look at it like, guess what you're doing? You're turning your back on the word. You're getting away from God's word. And as I think about the world that we live in, as I think about the culture that we have, guess what? It is pushing harder and harder and harder to twist the truth of this word. And we have people who are pushing harder and harder and harder to twist the truth of this word. And we have people who are building their life and taking bits of God's word and trying to conform it and shape it around their life. 
life rather than building their life centered around the word. We cannot turn our backs from God's word. It's true. It's a promise. It's unchanging and it's timeless. The word that was spoke 2000 years ago is the word that will still be true 2000 years from now. And yet he had spoken this word to them, said, listen, this land is for you and I'm going to get you there. And all of a sudden the circumstances and the situation and all that was going around them made them forget about the word. And I just wonder today if, if you're in the wilderness If you're in this spiritual disconnect because you have disconnected from God's word, you have turned your back on his word for whatever reason, for whatever reason it may be. Like we were just talking in my city group last week about the difference in in going to God's word in an unhurried fashion versus going in a, in a, in a, in a hurried fashion. And, And there's this really disgusting word called rumination. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But, but, but ruminate is literally, I'm going to gross some of you out, all right? It's, what, it's how cows eat, okay? They, they eat grass, they chew it up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, bad impression. They chew it up, they swallow it, and then you know what they do after that? They chew it again. There's a process that takes place. They chew it up, they swallow it, and they do this over and over and over. And guess what happens when they do that? They pull out all of the nutritious value of this grass. And so often we come to the Bible and we want to read and we want to spend time with the Lord and we go, all right, hey kids, let's go. Time to go. We got to get ready. And we don't spend any time in it. We're not ruminating, if you will. We're not meditating. That would be a better word for for us to kind of shift to. Like, we're not spending any time in the Word. So it's easy for us to turn our back and go away from it when something happens and something is in front of us that we don't understand or can't see like the Israelites did. Like if we are not meditating, meaning we're spending time to where it's internalized, it's pressing into our heart, it's a lamp upon our feet, it's lighting the path that we walk, we're not going to stick to it. And some of you, and I'm guilty at times as well, we are turning our back from the word of God when we choose to not spend time in it. And and it's your fault, right? Right? Like, No one can change that but you. The word is what God has given us. It's right here. It's not going anywhere. When you open it today, it's going to say the same thing as when you open it tomorrow. The thing is, you got to open it. And we're disconnected from the church and we're disconnected from people. And most importantly, we're disconnected from God. We're in the wilderness and it's our fault because we're choosing not to listen and read and study what God has spoken to us. I... It, one of my biggest pet peeves, and, and I, this is a whole different sermon too. I believe that God speaks sometimes and we're, we're, we're literally like intent, we're pursuing, we're seeking, and we just can't hear the voice of God. Like I believe there are times where the Lord just really wants us to, 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 to really dive in and, and listen to that still small voice. But I, one of my pet peeves is when people say, man, the Lord just ain't speaking to me. I say, all right, bro, I hear you. Well, what are you reading? Like, what, 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 what are you studying right now? And they just look at me like, what do you mean? I'm just praying, man, trying to get the Lord to speak to me. Like, bro, if you want the Lord to speak to you, you got to open your Bible. And, and, and there's this great disconnect between this and our walks with life. Like, and here's what we essentially do. Have you ever been driving down the road? And I said this last week. Pastor Jay told me not to say, hey, Siri, anymore, because everybody's devices go nuts. I don't know if that happened last week to you or not, but 
Anyways, have you ever been using your GPS and you're going to a place and then you feel like you got it and you turn your GPS off and then guess what? You end up lost or you end up making a wrong turn. Like, so, so oftentimes it's not so direct to we, where we say, I don't need this. Like, it's not that clear, but we get to this place in life where maybe things are good and, and, and things are going our way, if you will, and we just close our Bibles because things are great. Like, all right, I got this. I know where I'm at right now in life. I, I got this figured out. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves in the wilderness. Guys, you cannot get away from this. This has to be a daily practice. Do not turn your back from the Lord by turning your back from his word. And that's what the Israelites did. They got to this place and they forgot what the word of the Lord was for them. The second thing, the second reason, the second way that they turned their back from the Lord was this. They chose fear over faith. They chose fear over faith. Listen, I would... I would beg you to go back and, and, and just spend some time, maybe it's a couple weeks, maybe it's a couple months, of, of, of reading and studying this journey from the Israelites leaving Egypt headed to the promised land. Like, it will blow your mind. And honestly, like now, we can just read the whole story and kind of disconnect from it and be like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> but like, I'm like, bro, do you understand what the Lord did to get you to where you are? And now you're right here. Like you are literally right here. You have made it to the land. The Lord has parted a sea. The Lord has put made a, a water come from a rock. He's turned bitter water to sweet water. He, I mean, he, he's done all of these things. He's given you favor in battle. He's done all of these supernatural, miraculous things. He's gotten you from Egypt to the front door of the promised land. And now all of a sudden, because you have forgotten and turned your back on his word, you have allowed fear to consume you. And so many of us, we are missing out on what the Lord wants us to do. And we're just out here wandering around, dancing in the wilderness, if you will, when the Lord has called us to step into this promised land that he has for you, this next chapter of your life, this next season of your life, because you are choosing fear over faith. And we can't do that because you know what fear does? It paralyzes you, literally. Fear will cripple you and it will stop you and keep you from being who the Lord wants you to be, from stepping into the, what the Lord has for you. I can think about multiple seasons in my own life to where I, I, I for a moment, thank God, I, I, you know, through, through the Lord's power that these battles were won and I was able to step out in faith and not be crippled by fear. But like, I think about when I left nursing to go into ministry and, 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 and the fear of finances, like to leave a government nursing job, to step into a volunteer youth pastor position. Like, it, and I remember like wrestling and every time that I would allow fear to, to kind of consume me, guess what else I would feel? I would feel this unfulfilled part in my life. I would feel like I wasn't living out my purpose. I would feel like I wasn't stepping into my calling. And there was this great disconnect, hence the wilderness. It was this disconnect to where I felt like, man, if I keep doing this, if I don't step into this, even though I'm fearful, even even though I'm anxious, but if I don't have the faith to step into this, I'm going to feel like I'm out here in the wilderness all alone. Like I could go with our adoption. Same thing. We went for years, literally like, bro, there's no way we can adopt. And you know what the number one reason was? Seems to be the number one reason in my life all the time. Money. 
Like, we can't adopt. I can't, how am I, I can't pay $30,000 for an adoption. Like, on and on. And I remember, like, for years, I was just praying, like, okay, all right, all right, all right. When, Lord, tell us when, tell us when, tell us when. The Lord already told us, yeah, in his word. He already told you, yeah, in your word, actually. You keep moving until he tells you no. Anyways, different sermon, different time. Here we go, somebody. I think about planning a church with Pastor Jay. Like, we're praying and we're talking and we're, we're having conversation. I'm like, bro, I'm scared to death. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to co-pastor. I don't know how we're going to plant in the middle of a pandemic. Like, on and on and on. But fear, if you allow it to consume you, it will stop you from stepping into what God has for you. And so that is exactly what happened. They sent in these spies. They came back. They had a report that was inundated with fear. Inundated. And the rest of the people, they stood there and they chose fear over faith. Here's the question I have for you. What is it in your life that you know the Lord is asking you, calling you, leading you to step out in in faith, but you are allowing fear to keep you right where you are? Because if that's what you're doing, I promise you, you're going to sit out here and wander around in the wilderness until you finally respond. And guess whose fault it is? It's yours. It's yours. The Lord's given you everything that you need to step into what he's called you to. He's qualified, equipped you, equipped you like, bro, choose faith over fear, not fear over faith. All right, I'm going to move on. Here we go. The third one. They turned their backs from the Lord by following the people. All right, by following the people. Here's what I mean by this, okay? There's this mass group of Israelites all together. They've traveled. They've been on this journey. Here they are, the corner of the promised land. They sent 12 people, 12 into the promised land to get a report. They come back. 10 of the 12 give this negative, fear-based, fear-fueled report. We can't do it. We can't go in there. These people are massive, and these cities are fortified, meaning they are protected and secure and strong and built up. As a matter of fact, these people are so big and mighty and powerful that we look like grasshoppers. And not only do we think that, they think that about us. They're laughing at us, literally. And guess what happened? The rest of the crowd listened to that report and they allowed 10 people to fill them with, with fear. They allowed 10 people to lead them to turn their back on what the Lord had already spoken to them. And I wonder today what voices you are listening to that are doing the same to you. Now, don't get me wrong. Does the Lord use people to lead us, guide us and sharpen us? You better believe he does. He built the church that way. Like he, 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 iron sharpens iron. He's created us to be in relationship with other people. But let me tell you something. When someone else's opinion, when someone else's advice, when someone else's influence is greater than the voice, the influence and the advice of the Lord, you have a problem. And that's exactly what has taken place over the last 14, 15 months. Our allegiance, so many people in America has been to some man who's in, in power you know, or some man now who's in power, our, our, our leadership, our, our government, our, our news, like we've been, we've been, you know, led by people. We've been fearful. And now I'm not trying to get on some tangent. I'm not even talking about like COVID and masks and vaccines. Don't go there. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is that so often and the more, the more we move forward in our society, the more it's going to happen. Our culture is going to get all spun up and there's going to be a voice here and a voice here. Do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. 
that. And if you listen to those voices more than you listen to the voice of God, you're going to find yourself in the wilderness. Like we have got to stop allowing other people to be the loudest voice in our life. And this is exactly what happened. And here's what I love. Ten people, there were 12. Ten gave a bad report. There were two that did it. And I love Caleb. He, he literally is saying in verse 30, he says, but, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as he stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And so the majority sometimes is the loudest. The majority sometimes is the loudest and it's 10 to 2. Here's Caleb. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't listen to them. Like, I, come on. Let's remember what the Lord has, has told us. Let's remember all the things that we've been through and seen and experienced over the last, you know, however many years and the time that we were in slavery and all like, like, no, 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 let's not, let's do it. Let's go in and conquer this land. We can do it. But then these louder voices in the back, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't go. You can't go. You better be afraid because they're big and they're strong and they're mighty and fear takes over. As I, I was thinking about this, it's funny, Pastor Jay and I just had a conversation the other day. We've been really just seeking and praying and spending time together uh, and spending time, obviously, with the Lord and just trying to figure out, like, Lord, what's the direction of our church? Like, where do we lead people? How, where, where are we going? What exactly do you want us to do, et cetera? And, like, the list goes on. And, and we've met with pastors that we know and trust and uh, who have experienced church planners, some that, that have been pastors for a long time, some that have, have kind of, you know, this is kind of fresh. Like, and, and Pastor Jay and I were talking, and, and I said to him, I said, listen, you might not be as easily persuaded as I am. Maybe you're stronger than that. Cause I'm like, Hey, that's a great idea. But listen, I don't want a great idea. I want God's idea. Amen. All right. But, but I remember saying, I said, I said, listen, I've got a, I like, I'm thankful for the advice that I've received. I'm thankful for the ideas that people have told me. I'm thankful for kind of the counsel that I've, that I've getting. That's biblical. But I told him, I said, I've got, I've got to quiet all that because these other pastors, who are successful and doing well and their churches are healthy. Like, I love it. I'm not saying anything negative about them. But their voices are starting to become louder than the Lord's voice in my life when it comes to this, this aspect of church planning. And I don't want that. And again, they haven't said anything that's been bad. They haven't said anything, quite frankly, that's been, that would, that would damage our church or send our church in the wrong direction. But listen, I want the Lord's voice to be the loudest voice in my life. And sometimes you've got to get quiet enough in order to hear that. You've got to shut those voices out. You've got to be fueled by faith and not by fear. And you've got to turn back to the word. And so many of us go through seasons of this wilderness experience, if you will. And it's our fault. It's our fault. Here's the encouraging part, and I love this. Deuteronomy, if I can find my place again. Verse 6, chapter 1. It says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. 
It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev of the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I'm giving you all this land for you. Go in and occupy it for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to all of their descendants. And I believe the Lord is saying to you right now, You have been here long enough. It is time to break camp. Get out of this wilderness. Turn back to my word, he's saying to you. Turn back to the faith that I give you. Not fear that comes from the enemy, but faith. And turn back to my voice. Stop allowing the voices of the world and all of these people to influence you more than me. And we can break camp. And we can get out of this wilderness. And we can move into what the Lord has for us. May I propose the same three questions that I sent to you and proposed to you last week? Like, how do I get out of this wilderness? Like, okay, I got it. I need to turn back to the word. I need to make sure that I'm not being consumed by fear. And I need to make sure that, that the voices of people is not the loudest voice in my life. I got it. But, but the same three questions I proposed last week. Ask yourself this. When you feel like you're in the wilderness, when you feel like you're disconnected, when you feel like you're not sure what's going on in your relationship with Christ, ask yourself three things. The first one is this, why am I here? Why am I here? Why do I feel this way? And remember last week, it's like, okay, maybe the Lord has sent me here or maybe I'm here by myself and I've placed myself here and it's my fault. The second question, what did I do to get here? This is so important. Because we understand that when sometimes we put ourselves in this wilderness, this season of being disconnected, and it's our fault, it's because of our decision, because of our choices, how did I get here? What led me to making those choices? And a lot of times it's not this big drastic uprooting where everything turns upside down all of a sudden. Most of the time it's this slow fade where we just gradually head on into the wilderness a little more and more and more each day. How did I get here? And the third one, which is so, so important, probably the most important, what can I learn here? What can I learn here? Listen, if we're on the other from last week, the Lord has sent you to the wilderness. (laughs) He would tell you the best way for him to take you out is learn what he sent you there to begin with, right? Learn it fast. All right, Lord, here I am. You sent me here. Teach me. What do I need to learn? Let's go. I'm ready to get this over with, right? The same thing. If you've sent yourself there because of the decisions that you've making or have made, like, Okay, what do I need to learn here? How do I need to, how do I need to get out, first of all, and how do I need to prevent that from happening again? What can I learn? 2004, I laid eyes on the most beautiful woman in the world. 2008, graduated as a nurse, got married. 2010, we had another kid. We already had one kid. I didn't tell you that story. (laughs) But from 2008, to 2010, I realized that, I, that from, from 2004 to 2008, I was deep, deep in the wilderness. From 2008, 2010, I was at Kadesh Barnea to where I, I started turning, turning back towards the Lord. I knew I was saved, but the things that I was doing, the things that, 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 that the decisions that I were making, they were my fault. I started turning back, but I got to this promised land, if you will, all that the Lord had called for me and had set aside for my life. And I stopped right there because things were much better than they were when I was deep into the wilderness. And so I thought I was okay. I thought I had it figured out. In 2010, one night, I said, Lord, 
I want to come completely out of the wilderness. I realize that I've been trying to do this on my own. I realize that I've, I've turned away from your word. I haven't necessarily went totally against it, but I know I haven't been spending any time in. And I want to live my life for you. I want to turn back to your word. I want to live in faith. I want to step into what you have for me. I don't want to try to do this on my own and be inundated with fear. And I don't want to try to fit in with the rest of the world and listen to all these voices. I want to hear from you. And on that night, 2010, I came out of the wilderness and I stepped into the promised land and I found purpose and I found fulfillment and I found joy and I found hope and I found peace and I found the life that the Lord had called me to live and it was life that was given to me abundantly. And I wonder today, how many of you are standing right there, Kardesh Barnea? You're right on the edge. You're right on the edge. You just need to step into what the Lord has called you to do. Sometimes it's our own fault. But today, you can make a decision. I'm not going to have a disconnect anymore. I'm not going to be wandering anymore. I'm not going to live this life of feeling lost anymore. I'm going to step into all that He has for me. I want to pray for you. Before I do, I want to ask you today, have you ever called upon the name of Jesus to save you? Like, have you, have you ever truly acknowledged that you are a sinner and that sin in your life is going to separate you from God forever without a Savior? And that Savior's name is Jesus. And the reason that you feel like you're in the wilderness, the reason that you feel so disconnected, the reason that you feel so lost is because you are. And the only way that you're going to be able to get out of this wilderness, to get out of this spiritual death, literally, that you are living in, is to turn back to His Word, to step in faith, and to listen to the voice of God. And that voice is speaking to you right now. And He's saying, I want you to surrender your life right now. Give everything you have to me. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to know all the answers. But I want you to come to me. If that's you today, let me lead you in a prayer. You say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. I admit that I am a sinner and I need a Savior desperately. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of living hopeless. I'm tired of feeling like I don't have purpose. I'm tired of not being fulfilled. I'm tired of trying all these things and getting temporary pleasure, but still having a void in my life. And I realize today by the nudging, by the pulling, by the work of your Holy Spirit in my life, that you are calling me into a relationship with you. And today I die to self and live for you. I surrender my life to you right now. From this day forward, I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer, you just got saved. Prayer doesn't save you, but it's that transformation of your heart, that pouring of your heart, that acknowledgement that you need a Savior. And there is a party going on in heaven because of you. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And maybe you're here today and you say, man, I just need some help. I know I'm saved, but I'm out here in the wilderness and I've made some bad choices. I've made some decisions and I realize, I acknowledge today, it's my fault. But I want you to also acknowledge that just as quick as you got into the wilderness, you can come out. And the Lord is saying, come back to me. Turn your face to my word. Be filled with faith. and Listen to my voice. Father, we pray. 
We pray that you would lift our eyes to you, that you would lift our focus to you, that you would turn our attention to what you have for us. Lord, I pray that we would we would analyze and assess and understand the things that we have done over the last weeks or maybe months or maybe even years that have led us into this place of disconnect that have led us into this place to where we feel like we're in the wilderness. God, help us to learn from that. Help us to acknowledge it. Help us to identify the problem and then understand what the solution is. And it's not to run away from you, but it's to run to you. And I pray today that there are people who are running to you. They're not jogging. They're not walking. They are full-blown sprint, running as fast as they can to you to step into what you've called them to do. And I pray that you give them exactly that, that you allow them to feel your presence, to understand that you have called them out of the wilderness, that you're not shaming them. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation, but it is all in love. You have forgiven. You are a graceful and merciful God, and you want them to have the life that they can have in you. Father, I pray that people would make that decision right now. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for loving us. And God, we do. We thank you for those wilderness experiences, whether you've placed us there or whether we've placed ourselves there. Because the goal is to learn, to be teachable, and to look more and more and more and more like you every single day. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen and amen.